once again and welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of the Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Today we continue having courageous conversations with the goal of providing pastors and clergy with some tools in our pastoral tool belts, some tools that may help when courageous conversations need to happen in our local congregations. Here on Pastor Life, we begin with the assumption that these courageous conversations are actually a a necessary part of spiritual formation and community life and that the pressing social issues of our day shouldn't be off-limits for local congregations. So today's episode is around the challenging topic of human sexuality. Now, we recognize that we could spend an entire season on this one topic, and today we're only going to scratch the surface, but we have a special guest who has been really engaged with young people in her church around LGBTQ conversations, and her church has walked a process, and hearing about that may help the rest of us. So David, why don't you introduce her? Yeah, uh, Reverend Mary Carol Anderson has been a friend of mine for quite a while. She is on staff at First Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, she is also the director or one of the co-directors of Unidiversity Youth Camp. So I've known Mary Carol as part of the Unidiversity planning team and have been able to be a colleague in ministry with her um, through a lot of years in youth ministry together. And I think that what she has to say from both her youth ministry experience and also from her experience uh, with First Baptist Greenville and the courageous conversations that they have had uh, will have some good stuff for us. Yeah, so I look forward to hearing your interview with Mary Carol Anderson. Well, Rhonda, as we begin to think about human sexuality and spirituality, these conversations about LGBTQ issues and inclusion in the church, I know that for both of us, that's been a theological journey. That's been a ministry journey. It's been a personal journey. For me, I know coming from the background where I, where I grew up in a very traditional Baptist church and then moving through college and seminary and just being confronted with both personal relationships and friendships, and also with theology and new ways to read scripture, that that really was, you know, a a conversion type experience for me. And then entering into local churches as a a leader and pastor, you get to put those uh, ideas, uh, that personal transformation into the, the dynamics of a congregation and people who are at all different places along that journey. How has that been for you and the places you've served? Yeah, so so yeah, similar. Um, it's definitely been a journey. I won't share how old I am because a woman won't do that, right? But um, I won't little, ask you. Yeah, thank you. A little older than you. Let's just say that. Um, and I think young adults coming up through seminary right now are so far ahead of where I was. Really, I hadn't spent any time thinking about. LGBTQ issues um, when I went to seminary. And so um, it was seminary when I made my first out gay friend. And and so I guess it was then that I began really thinking about it. Um, and then into my first ministry, I was 
I was still kind of questioning, you know, LGBTQ inclusion in the church and what that meant. And I knew I was on a journey and, and I, I even knew, I, th- I think I knew where I was going to end up there. But, uh, but it, it's certainly been a journey. And, and I think it's probably safe to say uh, you and I are both open and affirming and we make no apology about that. I do think it's helpful to hear about conversations and about pastors who have been on this journey and also to think about where seminarians are now, kind of coming right out of the gate and how they've grown up in a whole different world from us. And and I think that kind of points me to the place of thinking that while a lot of the conversations that churches, especially mainline churches and mainline-ish churches have been having around sexuality tend to center on LGBTQ issues, Mm -hmm. I I wonder if the reality is that when it comes to sexuality and spirituality, we ought to be having a much broader conversation than that. There's probably plenty of room for us to grow in our congregations when it comes to sexuality and spirituality. Oh, yeah. The topic is so broad, um, so broad. In fact, there was one point in my life uh, where I was teased about being the senior adult sexpert. I was invited to uh, do a, a share a paper about senior adult sexuality. This is when I was serving a church in a retirement community. And there were lots of issues coming up among senior adults related to sexuality that had nothing to do with LGBTQ issues. Um, so, yeah, a broader ethic, a broader theology around sexuality, uh, you know, like, as you know, we could do a whole season. Do you want to do a whole season, we could, David? We could. I'm not sure if I want to do a whole season, <laughs> but I, I I do know that, uh, you know, I was sharing this story with you earlier that uh, when I was a youth minister, about every other year, we would use a curriculum, uh, about an eight-week curriculum to talk about sexuality with teenagers. And the title of that curriculum was Good Sex. And, oh, sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, great. It was a, it was great. Excellent curriculum. And you know, teenagers had none of the inhibition that uh, or none of the um, reluctance that most grown-ups in the church have in in engaging these conversations. But I had the leader's guide to that curriculum sitting on the the front passenger seat of my car one day when I had gone in to work out at the Y at lunchtime. And came out of the Y with a friend and we were talking, chatting and just kind of, as you do, made your way through the parking lot as you're talking and ended up talking right beside my car. And at some point in the conversation, he sort of glanced down and saw that book sitting on the seat of my car. (laughs) And he was like, what is that book? Good sex. I thought you were a pastor. Um, So just interesting how our assumptions or preconceived ideas about what Christians ought to be talking about or not Mm, talking about. As we hear from Mary Carroll, I'm interested to to hear her experience and wisdom from the conversations that I know she's had with teenagers, um, maybe not using that same book that I did years and years ago, um, but also about that larger church conversation uh, as well. Yeah. Well, I'll look forward to your interview with Reverend Mary Carroll Anderson. I am here with Mary Carol Anderson. And Mary Carol, before we jump right into the courageous conversation for today, uh, maybe let's talk a little bit about how youth ministry has changed. You know, we're both youth ministry veterans, and a lot has changed since we got started in this kind of work. Uh, Maybe talk just a little bit about that, and especially how things have changed with 
COVID over the last 18 months. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be with you today. Um, youth ministry has changed a lot over um, our tenure in youth ministry. I think it it will always be changing. Teenagers are always changing. We're always trying to keep up with the youth of today. And so I see the most change that has happened is over the content and how we focus our youth ministries. Um, back in the day, you know, it was about having those flashy activities and energizers and who's got the best activity happening or the most entertainment and attracting our youth in through activity and entertainment. And it's shifting. I'm, I'm seeing a dramatic shift even in the past 18 months, I think has highlighted it, that this dramatic shift of, of youth wanting deep content, they're wanting those conversations that that make a difference in their life, those hard conversations, the conversations that we're all having as adults and that are playing out in front of us in the media and on TV and in our in our social circles, in social media. Um, and they're wanting to talk about that. That's, that's heavy topics. Those are hard topics. They're trying to, to sort their faith in these topics that are coming up under the name of Christianity. And they're looking for that authentic conversation in youth ministry. And so I've seen myself shifting from, of course, we always want the fun stuff because the fun stuff builds friendship. It builds relationship. It builds community. But they're wanting content. The The youth are, are wanting to dig in and have these hard conversations of what it means to be Christian today and what that word Christian means in light of that word being used in, in violence and that word being used in other circles that we may not necessarily agree with. And how do you sort that? And how do you be this Christian um, and, and separate yourself from that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a perfect way to talk about it. And I'm I'm thrilled. I'm excited that you're talking about teenagers who are really wanting to engage in those conversations. And yeah, I feel like sometimes the teenagers, college students in our lives and in our ministries are less reluctant uh, to take a topic off the table mm-hmm. when it comes to faith. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we adults as as we uh, get a little more set in our ways, maybe those conversations are taboo and we don't talk as much about the intersection between what it means to be a Christian and, and, and real life, real mm-hmm. issues. And right. so obviously, you know, obviously we're talking about sexuality and spirituality and how they intersect. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's going to just build right into what you were saying. Um, mm-hmm. I know during during my time in youth ministry, we would do this eight week series on spirituality and sexuality about every other year, and that was in the teaching, you know, routine and the calendar. Um, but obviously, conversations around sexuality, identity, relationship come up far more often when you're talking to teenagers. It's mm-hmm. just what's happening in their life and in their own development. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen those conversations go well? And then maybe the flip side of that, where in your experience have you seen them break down or cause trouble? Yeah, being one who born and raised in South Carolina, I was a part of the school district in in South Carolina. And South Carolina has 
has not, in my personal opinion, has not done a, a good job of having a good sexuality curriculum. Those those topics that um, are being led are, are typically one-sided and are guided through the school district and, and other players in that. And I'm a huge advocate for these conversations, these intentional conversations happening about faith and sexuality in our churches, because where else can we have this dynamic where it's a community that has has built themselves on authentic authenticity and safety and these youth can come together and ask honest questions and struggle with some really hard topics that that faith has a role in and and ask those hard questions and hear from their mentors, mentors that they trust, that they've built a relationship with. So I'm a huge advocate of having these conversations. And a lot of what I've experienced over the years, I too have an intentional time when I have these series, these sexuality series. But that is only laying the groundwork for teenagers to feel comfortable to come to me outside of those series, which is so special. I, I'm doing the, the initial series to start the conversation, but that allows that teenager an open door to walk through, to say, hey, right. you said something. This is what I think about that. And, and what does it mean if, if I have these questions? And so I've seen and I've witnessed youth who have felt the church was nothing but a place of judgment and shame walk away encouraged after these conversations, that they're not alone, that these questions are okay to ask what they are struggling with of who God created them to be is truly who God created them to be. And they have the freedom to live that out. And they have someone telling them, yes, you, you are loved unconditionally. God created you to be this way. And it is okay to struggle and ask these questions um, and push back on your faith that you have been taught um, in earlier years or up until this point. And having that experience is powerful. It's, it's powerful to, to watch a teenager walk away encouraged with, with their shoulders a little higher. It's not completely fixed. It's, it's never completely fixed. But, but that feeling of, okay, this is a safe place for this teenager to wrestle who they are. Well, and I would say in, in my experience with those sorts of conversations, where the problems came were often when parents were either involved or not involved. Um, and so I can remember each of the times leading up to that eight week series, I would have a opportunity for parents to come be in the room. I would introduce the curriculum, engage them in conversation. And what I found each time was that there were typically two or three parents out of dozens of families that would show up to that uh, session. And they were typically the ones that I really wasn't concerned about or worried about how they would engage with, with us doing this. I, I don't know if that speaks to this idea that having conversations around sexuality with the larger conversation uh, with, larger congregation, I should say, is is just sort of a whole different animal. 
I know when you came to First Baptist Church in Greenville, you came right as the larger congregation had had this conversation about LGBTQ inclusion and had voted on a statement and all of that was sort of playing out right as you came into to the situation. So, you know, maybe you could even talk about that a little bit. How did those conversations go? What was the reaction that was happening as you began to make your way into the system? Uh, what seemed to be going well? What were the challenges? That sort of thing. Yeah. So I, I actually um, was here on the the Sunday that our congregation agreed to move forward in this non-discriminatory statement to to um, embrace all race, gender, sexual sexual identity, uh, and that we would not discriminate discriminate against one another. And it was a powerful thing to walk into in that it was a built on prayer and discernment. And so it felt as if the congregation was moving forward together in love. This loving community was ready to welcome all, was ready to offer that love to those who walk through the doors. And so sure, there there was some tensions that that has to be named. There there were um congregants that that were uncomfortable and so uncomfortable that they needed to step away and that's okay. And there were congregants that were waiting in the wings that this was the moment that they were ready to engage because we we had made this step. And so it's that push pull and in the end it was a it was a beautiful process in watching our our welcoming love come alive. And I think the most beautiful part of the process was hearing the stories. The stories of folks who had not walked through the doors of a church in many, many years, because the last time they had walked through those doors, they were hurt. And the the powerful stories and the, the vulnerability that was shared and expressed and what it meant for them to walk through those doors during and after this process. And that is kind of what drives us in knowing that that we are, we are that place for some people and that we can offer this place of um, good faith teachings and a place to land and to learn and to explore and to continue growing. We are constantly learning. We are constantly pushing ourselves to grow more. And that was a great process. And out of that came the support groups, these support groups and small groups that we built in the idea of finding these good conversations and 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 allowing people to to wrestle them out and to find their community that small group community where they could bond and grow together and build true friendship so that just became a part of who we are around here and um Having adults find us through these support groups has been a, a great opportunity um, for First Baptist to to be that church that, wow, you're First Baptist. I never imagined coming to First Baptist of Greenville and having these conversations. But it also opened a door for me that I began getting when I first came on staff, people were reaching out to me, okay, there's an adult support group. Where's where are the youth? Where are the youth land in all of this? And so that offered this opportunity for me to reach out to the LGBTQ community and make some connections and build a, a Pride Link youth group with Ethan Johnstone and 
and have this place where we we meet together and and yes i'm an ally and i'm in the faith world and i'm a minister but i'm i'm joining with the others in the community to develop this safe place where lgbtq youth can gather and can be safe and to have those hard conversations and it's just been beautiful that's great that's great and i'll make sure that we get the information to be able to link to to Pride Link in our show notes and uh, be able to to direct some people over there if they want some more information. I really liked what you said about how the process, as you looked back on it or kind of experienced the church moving uh, through it, was built on prayer and discernment. Mm-hmm. And I think that as we've talked about several of these different courageous conversations, they tend to be. Uh, issues or areas where wedges get driven in between mm-hmm. people in mm-hmm. the broader culture or in politics or in other places uh, in our communities. And so if the church can be this place where we gather uh, around tables and look people mm-hmm. eye to eye and pray and discern together and can come to a place where there's a non-discrimination policy that you guys mm-hmm. uh, came to, I think that idea of embracing all and, and the fact that that for First Baptist Greenville, this wasn't just an LBGTQ issue, I think that kind of leads me to my next question. And it, it seems like much of the energy around churches, especially mainline or mainline-ish churches, um, when it comes to sexuality, it centers, it seems, around LGBTQ issues or inclusion. And I feel like this is just one of a number of conversations at the intersection between spirituality and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that? Do we need to be having a larger conversation a, about a, a broader sexual ethic? And, and if so, what would that look like? What would it include? How would we go about it? Yeah, I I do think it's it's one piece of a of a bigger conversation. Um, as I mentioned, I I do um, a series every couple of years of of faith and sexuality, and and what I build into those series is is more than just LGBTQ. That's that's a conversation and a bigger um, series of healthy relationships. Um, body autonomy, um, body positivity, um, owning who we are and, and pushing back on the damage that the purity culture um, may have placed on us and that we may be wrestling with in our, in our own personal lives. And, and that's a larger conversation that the church needs to be having and, and how this LGBTQ process for us, this non-discrimination policy or statement has for us, is open us up to this conversation of healthy relationships and what it means to live in healthy relationships with one another. And that stretches across all topics of, of gender and race and identity, all of these things of, of living in a healthy relationship with one another and, and kingdom come on earth. Yeah, I wonder if part of the problem with adults having courageous or just important deep conversations about some of these topics, if it does really go back to that purity culture that so many of us grew up with in the South, 
and you've got people who grew up in those traditional youth group type environments uh, where, where you've got silver ring promises and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it, it really was sort of a um, guilt inducing or shame inducing or, um, you know, rule following kind of approach to relationships. Mm-hmm. And now we're all grown up mm-hmm. and maybe the church didn't necessarily help us to think about those things in the, mo- the most positive ways. Um, right. And, and pushing back on that patriarchal sexual ethic and, and allowing women to live in who God created them to be and, and that right relationship with humanity and, and moving away from the fear-based conversations and rather these experiential-based and, and right relationships that our faith teaches us to have with one another. Absolutely. And I think the theolo- there's a theological lens that, that we can kind of put over that as well, you know, in, in thinking about how a lot of the purity culture uh, teachings, I think, start with Genesis 3 mm-hmm. um, and, and the fall and the brokenness of humanity and relationships. And if we step back a few chapters to the real beginning of, of all things and uh, the, the goodness of God's creation and take that on as our basic starting point, that, that God would create all of these things, including human beings, that, um, that, that God looked at and said, this is all very good. Uh, you know, if we could start there with this conversation, if we could start there with the conversation about patriarchy, if we could start there with the conversation about race, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we'd be mm-hmm. starting from a healthier place. Yes. Um, what would you kind of as a final question, we've been asking a lot of our uh, guests a, a question similar to this. What would you hope for or what sort of encouragement would you have for pastors and churches as they engage in conversations around sexuality or maybe other difficult conversations in the church. My encouraging word or my hope would be as you begin these conversations or continue these conversations and folks bring to you these, these raw stories of, of how of their spiritual injury, if you will, or their, faith or pain that they experienced in their faith life, that, that you will hold space for them and allow yourself to be present in their story and to understand that our message as ministers, as followers of the way, as God-loving ministers is is to express that and to and to live that out within those conversations that when these difficult stories are brought to us our message is of God's relentless love the love that this community is to live out in the world and allowing someone to hear those words can be very powerful for someone who may not have been told that in another faith community. These moments can be powerful and that they're sharing with you some, some very intimate things that happen in their life. And faith is one of those things that are hard, that's hard to talk about. 
but our job is is to bring that message of love and to remind them that this community is to be a safe community for all to to for God to work in their life and we are just along helping God do God's work in their lives. Well, I know that Jim Dant, the pastor at First Baptist Greenville, maybe as a part of this conversation or looking back on it, the churchwide conversation, wrote this really great, concise, excellent treatment of the passages in Scripture that, that tend to be central to the LGBTQ inclusion conversation. And I'll, I'll link to that in the notes. Um, but what other resources would you point pastors or even interested lay people toward? There, there are a number of books that I have used in, in my education as a inclusive youth minister and in, in wanting to have some resources available for my youth and their parents and their families. And um, this, I know the, the book that Jim Dant wrote is, is, a, is a great pocket edition and, and I carry it with me always to hand out to folks who have questions. But particularly in the world of youth ministry, um, Cody Sanders has written some some fabulous books on um, just a, a, a brief guide of, of LGBTQIA youth ministry. And these are very basic books that, that get at the point of, of the vocabulary and the inclusion, the basics of inclusion, and allow you to begin wrapping your mind around and educating yourself and, and doing your own research so you can find the answers here in Cody's books so you don't have to go to the LGBTQ community and put that burden on them, but rather you're doing your own research. And so um, Cody has put out a number of books that are great for youth ministers and those who work with youth, lay leaders working with youth and, and understanding LGBTQ youth. And then um, there's a few others that you can find and that we can we can link that that talk about being um, and mainly focus on the teen themselves and, and how teens can read something that empowers them, that engages them and begins answering those struggles of faith, the faith that they're struggling with, those questions of how, where does my faith land in my, if I'm transgender or if I am lesbian or queer and where do, where do my questions lie in my faith? And these books begin to wrestle with those questions. And it's great for youth to have that access and for them to begin reading so they can start wrestling. Uh, many want to do their own research a little bit and then bring the questions to their mentors later after reading. And so I keep a number of these on my shelf and accessible to my youth so they can have those conversations um, with those around me and or with those around them, I should say. And parents, of course, parents are struggling. Um, they, they have dreams for their children and sometimes um, their, their children are, are not who they thought that they might be in the beginning. And so our parents are struggling in um, understanding what these youth may be experiencing. And the, there's many books on those as well that we can link below. Thank you. Thanks to Reverend Mary Carol Anderson for being a part of the pod today, sharing her wisdom and experience with all of us. 
You can learn more about Pastor Life and Pinnacle Leadership Associates at pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com. Well, Rhonda, you know, I've been trying to think of some other books that I could leave on the front seat of my car, you know, that would spark some conversations, right? You got any ideas for me? Good sex, too. Yeah, or maybe senior adult good sex. Well, you know, a few years, a few you, years from now. You, you could write that book, right? I'll write, I'll write the book, senior.